Begin to bless him and adore him. Begin to bless him and adore him. Come on. Let me hear your voice. Say some words of power to the Lord Jesus. Broshata baleko vasata. Shadeko liesota palai. Brosata bakemo sosta fashata de. Asala cobre de stosha flaco bade. Maliga. Maliga fovara sata kalie. Come on, don't stop. Give him the fruit of your lips, the sacrifice of praise, giving thanks to his name. Come on, begin to fulfill scripture by giving him the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. Begin to offer some sacrifice now. So Akabale da kuhuza falakole bashana katiba zana kubara. Lift up your hands. Our loving and eternal Father, we want to bless you and thank you. Thank you for choosing us in you before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before you in love having predestined us unto adoption of children by Jesus Christ to yourself according to the good pleasure of your will. Oh, for in Christ Jesus we have redemption through his grace. We thank you, Father, that you, um, we are to the praise of your glory and you sealed us by your spirit. For those you foreknew, you predestinated them to be conformed to the image of your son that you might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. And those who predestined you called and those you called you justified and those who justified you glorified. We thank you, Father, that we are glorified beings. We worship and honor you. For you are our sustainer and our redeemer. We want to thank you. We want to bless you for a glorious day like this. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for saying yes. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus for us. And today we are sealed with the Spirit for the glory and praise of your holy name. We want to ask that this morning you flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your Son. That we may know what's the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us, world who have believed, according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. We thank you, Jesus. We ask that, Father, you fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we will walk worthy of you fully pleasing you and bearing fruits unto God and increasing in the knowledge of God. Like Paul said, my little children of whom I travel again in childbirth unto Christ be formed in you. We ask that Lord you settle in our hearts. Let there be a formation of your character, of your life, finding expression in our souls and our mortal beings. Father in Jesus name, we thank you Lord for causing us to grow by the teaching of your word our eyes are enlightened behold we look unto you 
and we are radiated with glory. Oh, we all with unveiled face as we behold us in the mirror of the glory of God are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the same Spirit. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that today you brood over your word in the hearts of your people. Illuminate their minds. None shall escape the baptism of fire. Bring conviction. Bring repentance. Bring transformation. In the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you that our hearts are open to you. Your word will not come only in word, but in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. We thank you that our hearts are comforted and the spirit of consolation rests upon us. We give you glory for a glorious service today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please be seated. Hallelujah. So we, we are continuing with our teaching on how to detect and deal with spiritual dryness. How to detect and deal with spiritual dryness. I think today should be part 16. Now, I need everybody to be very attentive to the teaching of God's word because today's um, teaching is quite very sensitive. You need to really pay attention to, to get where the spirit of God is taking us. Amen. I'm not feeling you here. Amen. So, uh, we began... To talk about the how of dealing with spiritual dryness. There is a way you can deal with spiritual dryness. If you're a believer and you realize you've run dry, there is a way you can you can recover. Just like there's a way you can recover from sickness. Hallelujah. And we helped you by giving you some few keys that is going to help you to recover from that dryness and we said that uh, the first thing to do to deal with dryness is prayer prayer is the first ingredient that enables you or helps you to deal with spiritual dryness we've spoken extensively about prayer we said number two is the word of god You must be a spiritual gluten. You must feed on the word of God. We have said a lot about that. You must learn to be addicted to the right things. It's good to be addicted to the word of God. Number three, which we spoke about last week, was fasting. We said fasting is one of the uh, spiritual keys to help you deal with, with spiritual dryness. Hallelujah. And we also spoke extensively about fasting. So today, quickly, I want to share with you the fourth way of dealing with dryness. Now, when I give you these keys, I'm not saying that it is one of, you can do one of them. Are you getting what I'm saying? You do all simultaneously. Amen? All right. So, number four, which is today's message. You can write, church meetings and fellowship with other believers church meetings and fellowship with other believers that is the fourth way of dealing with spiritual dryness so as you pray and as you study the word of God and as you fast you also make sure that church meetings and fellowship 
with other believers is in place. Hallelujah. Now, it's very, very vital to understand what I'm going to teach you today. There are two kinds of disciplines. The first kind of discipline is what we call the personal disciplines. The personal disciplines. Then, the second kind of discipline is what we call interpersonal disciplines. Now, let me explain that. Now, personal disciplines are disciplines that you engage in alone for your spiritual development. They are disciplines that you engage in alone for your spiritual development. So, they are personal. Studying your Bible alone, praying alone, worshiping the Lord alone, fasting alone. So, these are disciplines that you engage alone for your spiritual development. Hallelujah. Then there is also what we call interpersonal disciplines. Interpersonal disciplines are disciplines you don't do alone. Very important. They are disciplines you don't do alone. Actually, they are disciplines you do together with other people. Hallelujah. An example of interpersonal discipline is me preaching to you. So this time it's not you, you growing alone by yourself. Me preaching to you is an interpersonal discipline because you bought the car, you iron your dress, your house may be far, you may be coming from Tema and you still came for service. That's a discipline. And you came to hear me teach the word of God to you. This is not you reading your Bible. It's me teaching the word of God to you. That's an interpersonal discipline. So many don't know that the act of coming to church itself is a discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. And it is part of the things you engage in to enhance your development in Christ. Hallelujah. A group Bible study is also an interpersonal discipline. Group Bible studies is an interpersonal discipline. There are disciplines you don't engage in alone. You engage in those disciplines with other believers. Now, the good news about these two disciplines is that both of them must go at the same time. You must be personally disciplined and you must involve yourself in interpersonal disciplines for you to have a fullness of development or a fullness of growth or a fullness of nourishment. So, we need to understand that we as Christians can never grow alone. We were not designed to grow independently. Very important. We were not designed to grow independently or grow alone on our own. It's not possible. No believer can grow alone by himself. Hallelujah. Am I helping you? There is no baby that grew by himself or herself. There is no baby. When a baby is delivered, the baby is helped in the growth process. No baby feeds on his own milk. No baby prepares his own food. No baby changes his own diapers. So, 
you, you, you are a man today or a woman today because someone changed your poo-poo. Someone fed you. Someone gave you breast milk. And the one that gave you breast milk also was breastfed. Are you following this thing? So someone helped you in your growth process. Telling us that we were never designed by God to grow alone. Praise God. That is how come. All right, let me leave that one. Surprisingly, Jesus did not grow alone. Maybe you're not aware of this. Jesus did not grow alone. He is God, but when he found himself as a man, he did not grow alone. If you study how the Jewish custom was, once you turn from five years, you are taken to the Pharisees or the teachers of the law for them to groom you by teaching you the um, Hebrew alphabets, by teaching you the counsel of God, by teaching you the Torah. So by the time you grow up, you understand the whole Torah, which is the Old Testament books. So Jesus was taught by a teacher of the law. So Jesus himself did not grow up alone. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, you read in Luke that when he was a child of 12, he was asking very tough, difficult questions. It was not a supernatural knowledge. It was out of what he was taught that he was able to ask very difficult questions. Are you following this thing? Even receiving the Holy Ghost, it took a man. His name was John. Hallelujah. So, even the reception of the Holy Ghost, Jesus being baptized by the Holy Ghost, it took a man whose name is John the Baptist. And he called that fulfilling all righteousness. He humbling himself for John to, to help him in his baptism process. He called, he called it fulfilling all righteousness. In other words, it, it takes fulfillment of all righteousness to submit yourself to be taught and to be guided as a Christian. Praise God. There is a need for church meetings and fellowshipping with other believers as far as spiritual nourishment is concerned. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the verse 20, the Bible speaks of gathering together. Look, there is something unique about gathering together. You can never get, you, you can never get it when you're alone. What you get in a believer's meeting, you cannot get it when you're alone. He says, when ye come together, therefore, in one place. So, saints must gather. Saints must what? They must gather. There is a need for saints to gather in one place. What corporate meetings accomplishes, individual meetings can't. You know why? Because one shall chase a thousand. Two shall chase what? 10,000. The effects are not the same. The power that is released in a believer's meeting like this is not the same power released when you are praying alone. That is how come even in the spheres of prayer, 
there are three spheres which I'm going to be teaching very soon when I'm teaching more deeper into prayer. The first sphere of, of prayer is what we call, what we call um, um, personal prayer or secret prayer. That is your personal prayer life. Then there is a second level which we call united or corporate prayer. If you're a believer who wants to develop, you cannot do away with this also. So you have your personal prayer, then you have the corporate prayer, which is the prayer of the church when we meet to pray. Then we have family prayer. When you gather with your family members to pray. If you're a believer and you are having this understanding and up to now, you've not started a morning devotion in your house. You, you, you are not serious. Do you know that a family that has not prayed is like a building without a roof? Just gather with your family members. They might not have done it before. Just 15 minutes. Tell them we want to acknowledge God in this house. We want to acknowledge God in this house. Lift your voice as a family. Let's thank God and bless him. Just 15 minutes. Do you know what that, that would do to your family? You may be staying with three people. Decide that you will wake them up at 6 a.m. Tell them in this house, I want us to develop something. Every 6 a.m. we will pray from 6 to 6.15. Just do that. You will be shocked what's going to happen. All family problems, family disunities, family divisions, it all comes because families don't pray together. Everybody wake up, pa, this one passes here, this one passes here. Everybody is busy. No wonder many families have collapsed. Families that pray together live together. Oh, when you have quarreled as a family and you come to pray together, something binds you and bonds you together. It's called the Holy Ghost. Tell that roommate or roommates of three. Tell them I want to do something here in this room. We want to pray 15 minutes every 6 o'clock. No matter how tired you are. This is just for 15 minutes and do it. Check what happens to their lives. I repeat that again. A family that does not pray is like a building without a roof. It's not secured. It's going to be very difficult when you start it. But when you build this thing, it will change that family for good. Don't give any excuse. This is what made us. My father made us with this. We pray as a family. We read the Bible as a family. There are many pastors who are too busy for their family. Many Christians who are too busy for their families. I was sharing with, with, a, with a church at a time um, of an example of a man that was late for a meeting. He was very late for the meeting. He didn't check that his fuel was almost finished. So he was in a hurry speed. He just moved out of the house. In the middle of the road, he got stuck. He couldn't move, but he was late. So another family saw him and they realized they had a little fuel in a gallon in the booth of the car. So they gave it to him so he can help him continue his journey so that in case he gets to another close-by filling station, he gets roof fuel. Do you know he passed about two or three filling stations? He didn't roof, he said he was late. And he passed by two or three filling stations and he moved. Guess what? The family that gave him the fuel came and met him stuck again. And they left him and they went. That's how many believers are behaving. You, you may be laughing, but that's how many believers are behaving. 
we are so busy that we have forgotten that what keeps us moving is our spiritual fuel. So we get so busy that we, we deliberately ignore the opportunity we have to get refueled, to refuel our family, to refuel our spiritual lives before we take any other activity. Martin Luther said, I am, he said, I have so much to do that I spend two hours a day with the Lord. In other words, the more busier you are, the more you should pray. Who was more busier than Jesus? Who was more busier than David? Who was more busier than Daniel? Is there anybody here who is a politician here? Is there anybody who is a king in one of the villages and he has come for service this morning? So, what excuse do we have? We just deceive ourselves thinking we are doing something. But actually we are deceiving ourselves. Hallelujah. So there is a very important significance in church meetings and the fellowship of the brethren. It has got a lot to do with our spiritual nourishment. There are a lot of dryness issues that has got to do with church meetings and fellowship with other believers. Many don't know. You may pray you may study the Bible for yourself, but if you don't take it, it still end up dry. There's a reason why God gave us the local church. Now, you need to understand the church in three lights. We first have what we call the individual church, which is the believer. You are individually a church. That's why your body is the temple of God. It's God's church. So the first church is individual. When you got born again, you became a church on your own. Your body is God's temple. Praise God. You are God's location. In John chapter 4 from I think is it 24? Yes. He says the hour coming and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, this scripture has confused a lot of people because they want to find out in spirit and in truth. What does it mean in spirit? What does it mean in truth? Now, it's very simple. Now, in the old, they were worshipping in the temple. So the location or the area of worship or the place of worship was what? The temple. Now, this group of people who were called Samaritans also, because they were despised by the Jews, their place of worship was now in the mountains. So this woman wanted a clarification. Which place was the best place of worship? And Jesus said, actually, the hour coming and now is when the true worshippers will not worship in the mountains or in a temple again, but they will worship in spirit and in truth. Now, actually, the word spirit in the Greek is the word pneuma, which is spirit. Hallelujah. The word truth is where the confusion is. The word truth is the Greek word aletheia. Follow me. The Greek word what? Aletheia, which means a reality or a realm. So actually, Jesus, what Jesus was saying was very simple. The place of worship was first in the mountains and in the temple. Now Jesus says the hour coming and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in the spirit realm. That's the word spirit and truth. The word truth there is realm. So he's saying the new location after salvation is not in the mountain or the temple but in the spirit realm. That's how we worship the Father. So the believer today 
can worship the father without a location but you see we must also understand the church in the second light which we call the local church the local church is a gathering of saints in a community or in a locality to share God is the gathering of saints in a locality or in a community to share God or worship God together so what we have today what we are doing now this is a local church some people say no our church is not a local church our church is an international church you don't understand bible when we say local church we are not saying your church is local even if you put US flag there once you are meeting in Tema it's a local church if you are meeting in East Legon and it's a group of believers who have gathered there and they keep having church meetings there it's a what? local church you are not local So people don't wonder. So, you know, they mention um, Believers Harvest International. Meanwhile, everything they do there is local. It's because they don't have understanding. So this is a local church. Even if they are 5,000 or 500,000, it's still what? A local church because they are meeting in a locality. Then the third light of a church is what we call the universal church, which is all the churches worldwide. We are called a universal church following so the local church is very important as it pertains to helping believers deal with dryness and we need to understand as believers listen there is a way we behave in god's house the bible says where two or three are gathered in my name i am there in their midst there is a there is a purpose for we gathering in twos and in threes and in fours and in fives and in six and in thousands as believers there's a reason There are people who come to understanding of this revelation. They say they stay home and say that they are the temple of God. So they run church. Because they are the temple, they don't need a temple. You will be weak. It's just a matter of time. Because when you don't fellowship with the local church, there is a way your spiritual energy is sapped. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to get there. So, there is a way we behave in a local church. When we speak, listen, you can listen to what I'm saying and still come to church and still be dry. If you don't understand how to behave in God's house, there is a way we, we behave in God's house to be able to get nourished. So, it doesn't mean you just come to church and then you are nourished. No, 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 no. There's a way you behave. If you don't behave yourself well in the house of God, you will not be nourished. And the purpose of the local church will not function effectively in your life. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Now, look what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 3, 15. He says, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So it's not this building actually, but the church in gathering, we are a pillar and ground of truth. The Bible calls it the house of God. 
So when you're going to church, you're going to the house of God. And the Bible says that we must know how we behave ourselves. That means there are believers who don't know how to behave themselves in the church. Coming to church goes beyond dressing. Uh, you don't like this teaching. Uh, well, I'm looking good. So I'm not against dressing. Praise God. So there is a way we behave. If we don't behave ourselves in that manner, whatever activity we do in church is useless. I'm teaching good here. Praise God. Now, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the verse 22. Look, he says, what? Paul was rebuking the church of Corinth because of how they behaved themselves and how they dealt with the communion. Are you following? And look how they misbehaved. Look at how he rebukes them. He says, what? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Now, these people took the communion as food. So most of them came and those times the communion they were taking had a little bit of alcohol in it. So by the time service was done, some were drunk. Someone's bread was a whole tea bread. Praise God. Anyone likes tea bread here? Hallelujah. Let's continue. He says, Oh, despise ye the church of God. Oh, so that means the church of God can be despised. If you don't behave yourself properly in the house of God, you despise and defile the church. And when you despise the church, its effect will be impotent in your life. I'm teaching good here. So how do we approach the church of God? This is what I'm teaching you is what's going to help you to also get spiritually nourished. So it's not just praying and fasting. So you can write this down. We approach God in holy reverence. Oh, this morning I'll make you feel uncomfortable. We approach God in holy reverence. That is how we serve God. Listen, if you don't have the fear of God in your heart, your relationship with God and your relationship with the church will be problematic. We approach God, we worship God, and we honor God in fear and reverence. It's a very important key to behaving ourselves in the church of God. When we meet this, when we miss this, we miss a very eternal reality. Praise God. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, the verse 28. Just to confirm what I just said. We approach God in holy reverence. Look, he says, wherefore we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace. Whereby, so listen. So grace is not to abuse God's mercy. So, he's telling us to have grace. So, there's nothing wrong to, with walking in, in the grace of God. In the reality of what Christ has done. He says, we, he says, let us have grace whereby we may serve. So, he's telling us the goal and the purpose of grace. Let us have grace whereby we may what? Serve God. What? Acceptably. So there is a way we serve God. We serve Him acceptably. We don't serve God with our own terms. We serve Him acceptably with what? Reverence and godly fear. A lot of times, many people think that 
The fear of God is Old Testament. I once thought that before. It's a big mistake. You will find the fear of God several times in the New Testament, even especially in the epistles. Because the fear of God is a certain ingredient God allowed so that we can be able to behave ourselves orderly in his presence. I'm teaching God. So, how do we serve God? Acceptably with what? Reverence and godly fear. If you don't walk like this or behave like this in the house of God, you will not be nourished enough. You will not be able to walk in the fullness of power. This morning, I will tell you why many Christians are powerless. Yet they are praying. Hallelujah. So, what was the Bible telling us? The Bible is telling us we don't misbehave in church. Surprisingly, it is only in church or in the house of God that many people think that they can misbehave. I'm telling you a very serious truth. It's only in church many people think they can misbehave. There are believers who disrespect ushers when they come in. Oh, um, you, you don't like what I'm saying. They disrespect ushers. Usher tells you sit here. He looks at the usher's face. Uh-uh. He goes to sit where he likes. Already you have cut yourself from the flow of spiritual nourishment. That's how you disrespected God. Because actually it was God telling you to sit there. If you have a very important reason, you tell the person the reason why you want to sit there. But you don't disrespect that usher. Because that usher is Jesus Christ ministering to you. When I'm preaching, it is Jesus preaching to you. It is not me. Are you following this thing? So, anyone you dishonor in church is something you do against Christ. Mm, The place is too quiet for my liking. Uh, Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So, all these spiritual um, um, more practices, man of God, you're welcome. All these spiritual more practices are, are things we do that actually suppresses our spiritual life and saps our spiritual energy. When you, when you misbehave in church, you sap your spiritual energy. You are sapping it. There is protocol and order in church. I am teaching you something important too. Because I want you to grow. I, want, I don't want you to be dry. There are protocols in church. There is order in the church. Let me give you some few scriptures. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 34. To understand that the church is a place of order and protocols. Look. He says if any man hunger, let him eat at home. That ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Look at the next verse. First Corinthians chapter 14, the verse 40. Now look at a very important thing the apostle was telling us again. 1440. Now look at that. He says, let all things be done what? Decently and in order. So, disorderliness in church cuts the flow of the Holy Ghost. We don't know this. 
Praise God. Listen, I can tell you on authority that the reason why many believers are still spiritually dry is because they are out of order. They are out of spiritual order. It's the reason why they are not growing and they are still spiritually dry. Amen? So, there is no reverence in their approach to God. Listen, this place is not a place for entertainment. I'm telling you the truth. See, if there is a place to be more reverent, it's here. It's in the house of God. You will find a believer who a teaching is going on or worship is going on and he's whatsapping. He'll be whatsapping and he'll even smile. Worship is going on. <laughs> he'll smile and exchange. His data is on whilst worship is going on. And ping ping will come. So vibration will just vibrate him. The word is coming. Then he's exchanging WhatsApp messages. Pictures. And he will view pictures. He can even supernaturally watch funny clips. Whilst preaching is going on. I can tell you that believer doesn't fear God. This was a discipline I learned. When I go to my spiritual fathers and I'm in service. I dare not. WhatsApp. Mm. Listen. If God was the one holding this microphone. Oh yes, there will be fear and trembling. If Jesus was the one holding his microphone, how will you behave? Now surprisingly, what many believers will not do in a bank, they will do in church. What they will not do in a chief's place, they will do in church. What they will not do in a conference meeting in their company, they will do it freely in church. Because we fear men. That's why we don't fear God. The fear of God is not running away from God. It's respecting God so much that you begin to love what he loves and hate what he hates. That's the fear of God. I honor God's word so much that I cannot allow any human being on earth to exchange that honor. There are believers who, who listen to unnecessary calls which they could have made a missed call and go and call back. They'll just go outside and say, bro, bro, I'm in church. I'll call you later. So why did you go out? No, so why did you go out? Ask the person, why did you go out? I'll call you back later. Why did you pick up? No, so, so you see, many people are not trained in spiritual matters. Because when we are thinking of spirituality, we are only thinking of tongues. But many believers dishonored God in so many ways before they left church. I'm telling you. And the energy you brought, you sap it and you go back empty. You don't like this teaching, right? I know you don't like it. Oh, do you know there are believers who flirt in church? Oh, okay. You are saying, hey, you have been doing it, but you are saying, hey, I understand how you feel. Oh, I, I know what I'm saying. They flirt in church. Preaching is going on, and the guy looks at the girl and it's like this. <laughs> then the lady who is worshiping God is confused. There are instrumentalists that flirt in church. Let's close. Let's close the meeting. If not, they'll leave us. They'll leave us. 
Are you serious? No, I'm serious. Then, <laughs> this one has this one's number. This one has this number. When preaching is going on, you are looking pretty in church. When I saw you, I almost collapsed. The, <laughs> my goodness. Lord have mercy. See, whatever you are hearing, eh, the Holy Ghost has shared it with me. In the make it keep your trouble. We don't beg here. Hallelujah. It's serious. In God's house, I can imagine the early church when they started, then they'll be flirting with each other. Whilst Peter was preaching. Now one cast will be before your time. Where has Ananias and Sapphira? But this is because we are powerless in this shit, nothing. Pastors powerless. Musicians powerless. Instrumental powerless. That's why you can WhatsApp. And we do it in church. I was in a church meeting one time. Husband and wife were sitting at the back. And they have rested in the chair. And the wife has put the head on the husband. And the man has crossed his leg. And he's listening to the word of God. I, oh my goodness. I didn't want them not to invite me again. This is how we treat God. We bring our romantic time also in church. They were seated as though they were in silver bed. In the presence of God. Hey! In God's presence. And this is how we treat the father. Meanwhile, when we get to a palace, can you, can a wife put a head on the shoulder of the husband in a palace? You, you are joking. Yeah, 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 you finish you. That is what we do to God. As Christians. Hallelujah. So this is what God is suffering. Because we don't understand the protocols of order in the church and the house of God. Listen, there is something about the fear of God. If the church understands it, we will see a certain level of maturity happening naturally in our lives. I'm going to be teaching on the fear of God very soon. But let me just watch your appetite. There are about six benefits of, of fearing God. Let me share it with you quickly before we go to the teaching. Number one, the fear of God gives you deep spiritual knowledge. Deep spiritual knowledge. Look at Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. You see there, Proverbs 1 7. Listen, there is a knowledge behind head knowledge. There is a certain depth in knowledge you have when you fear God. He says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's one benefit. You, you begin to enjoy a rich, deep knowledge in God when you fear him. It is only those who fear him who understand what I'm saying. Number two, divine wisdom. Psalm 110, the verse 10. Psalm 110, the verse 10. Look. He says, the verse 10. Oh. 
Okay, come to Isaiah chapter 33, the verse 6. Isaiah 33, the verse 6. He says, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thine times and the strength of salvation. The fear of God is his treasure. Another version says the fear of God is the key. It's the key to wisdom and knowledge. You are truly wise when you fear God. And you will know that true wisdom when you fear him. Look at the third one. The fear of God is a unique weapon against sin. Exodus 20, 20. The fear of God is a unique weapon against sin. Look. He says, and Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God is come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. Do you know there are some scriptures in the Bible about sin you may not have come across. But the fear of God makes you walk in holiness in a way that you may not have even encountered those scriptures, but your life is still intact. Our mothers didn't know the kind of things we know today. How come they were able to walk in such holiness? It was called the fear of God. Praise God. I'm teaching good here. Number four is the fountain of life. Proverbs chapter 14, the verse 27. Proverbs chapter 14, the verse 27. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Listen, if you want to experience life in your, 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 uh, your spiritual life, fear God. It's the fountain of life, an overflow of life. You begin to see life and meet Number five, quickly. The fear of God is protection for you and your children. It's a protection for you and your children. Proverbs chapter 14, the verse 26. He says, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. It can affect your children. It protects your children. Without the fear of God, you open doors for your children to become victims. Quickly, six. The fear of God secures and solidifies, solidifies friendship with God. Proverbs chapter 25, the verse 14. Give that to me in NLT. If you want to, if you want to be a friend of God, to enjoy the secrets of God, things God will share with you, will not share with anybody. Fear God. Proverbs chapter 20, sorry, Psalm 25, the verse 14, sorry. Psalm 25, the verse 14. He says, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. He shares some deep stuff with you when you fear him. He won't share with anybody who doesn't fear him. Tell somebody, fear God. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the verse 1. Now check it. You cannot live a holy life without the fear of God. It's not possible. No matter the revelation of grace, no matter the revelation you have about God, without the fear of God, you can never complete holiness. Look, he says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, practical holiness is perfected only in the fear of God. Only in the fear of God. I'm teaching with you. Let me just digress a little. 
You went to buy food and the, the person that gave you change gave you more change than necessary. Beloved, it is not the blessings of God. Return the money. If God wants to bless you, whom bless you with taking change? See, when you fear God, eh, you, don't, you don't need anybody to tell you the right thing to do. The fear of God makes you do the right thing. If, if you found someone's phone on the floor, don't switch it off. There are believers who come to church. They find people's phone in cars. They take it and switch it off. They say, God has blessed me with the phone. It was someone's phone. The person is looking for it. Return the phone. There are taxi drivers who go to church. They will, they will steal people's phones and turn it off. There is no fear of God again. I read of, I, I saw on the news of a woman who, I don't think she was even a Christian. She found someone's wallet with plenty of dollars in it with a person's documents and cards in it. This is not a Christian. She and the son went to drop it in a radio station. Those times are over now. They were not Christians. And they asked the one, she said she felt it was the right thing to do. This is a poor woman. A poor woman who doesn't have money. A poor woman. And guess what? By the time she returned, she was interviewed. People started sending her money. A man said she's going to build, he's going to build a house for her. Look, that dollars would have finished though. We don't fear God. That's why we are declining in spirituality. I'm telling you, that's why we don't see power in church again. I'm teaching good. Right now, what is going on in church? It's terrible. When I say church, you know I'm not just preaching to you, right? I'm preaching to the church worldwide because we have over 32 countries listening to us. We, we, have, we have people who register boys and register girls when they enter church. They tell their friends, hey, this one have registered here. <laughs> so don't go near. Oh, I'm telling you. I've registered this girl. I beg you. So my he will tell his boy's boyfriend that this will, please don't go there. In church, I've registered her. First one of fire. So now you are the owner of the book of life. You are registering people. Hey! And the person is an usher. The person is an usher. And whilst ushering, the person is registering. Hey! Ah! No wonder we are seeing what we are seeing. When I was working at Star FM, I had some clients to, uh, I, I had some clients that I um, wanted some business from. I was, I started as a sales executive. So I looked sharp in my suit. I, I, I had more weight. I take, you know, the haircut, everything beautiful. I went to the place and they started monitoring me. There was one time I went for a meeting with them. When I was coming, the receptionist said, Sss. and I went there with my bag. And she said, someone wants to see you outside 
okay so please when you get outside don't don't be in a hurry to go i said okay then i went outside before i realized a pretty lady had come and she said uh, she was the one who wanted to to see me and that she wants my number apparently from conversations and all kind of things i realized that that's what they do in the company when a nice guy comes they share their boys so the secretary is the one who does the registration and she didn't know I was a man of God so she started checking my status and she realized that, ah this man is preaching here this man is preaching here can you send me a message I said praise the Lord sister <laughs> oh she left in two weeks she advised herself so you can imagine what is done in companies is done in church we register boys and girls hey no fear of God there are believers who come to new churches to come and sleep with girls they enter churches to come and sleep with girls hey so the, or the whole agenda for your offering <laughs> hey no I, I just can't imagine listen this this is going on especially in the big big churches guys go there to go and take advantage of vulnerable girls in the name of god going on in the church no fear and sometimes a man how can you how can a guy go out with you for two weeks and he has slept with you what's wrong with you and no is it desperation or money tell me i'll give it i'll give you the money if it's desperation i'll pray for you no how one month you just knew this guy. You didn't know him from anywhere. He came to sleep with you. And he left the church. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. He's done with you. So you made his work so easy. Hey. No. All these things is going on in church. That is how come we are sapping spiritual energy. So we don't see God's glory because the one sitting next to you has a different agenda for coming to church. It's not God. God's presence is not his goal. So we no longer see God's glory. In our lives, we don't see God's glory anywhere. Oh, I'm teaching good here. I think two weeks or three weeks ago, Someone brought me some envelope. Brought me my personal envelope and I added another envelope. The person comes to church often sometimes here, but not every time. And on one of the envelopes, I saw project offering. And I knew the person knows project offering. So I thought it was a mistake. Because the person knows project offering. It's done in church. It's not done after church. That was about 500 Ghana cities in it. So I thought it was a mistake. So I said, okay, then I'll use this money to bless some of my sons here. So when we finish, I gave this one 50. I gave this one 70. I gave this one 50. I gave, so I, I said that was what I was going to use it for. I was not going to touch it. Can you imagine? On Sunday dawn, I had a dream. In the dream, I was arrested by the police. And my offense was that I've stolen money. 
then I woke up. When I woke up, I was praying. God said, you stole my money. I said, no, God, hold on. I didn't chop the money. I gave the money to your people. He said, it's still not yours. You are going to pay that money. And that money you have given to them is from your own pocket now. Immediately in prayer, I sent the money to the church on mobile. Pastor Kappa, you saw that money, right? Uh Uh-huh, it was for me. In fear, I sent it. I don't want to touch God's money. I don't want to owe God money. Hey. There are Christians who prepare offering to come and give offering. When you come and check the atmosphere, the atmosphere is not good, then you put the money back. God's money. Hey. God's money. You decided you were going to give 50 Ghana cities. When you got there, you sat down and you removed the money, you checked the brown color. And you check the situation of life. That's how we treat God. So God doesn't deserve our best. He deserves our worst. God deserves one CD. I'm coming to believers who are earning well and they are giving God chicken change. Those believers. Do you know they are believers who can take other friends outside and spread them buy KFC, buy fried rice and chicken and the bill is 500 Ghana cities. When they come to church, they give God 20 Ghana cities. Hey! Oh, oh, so what happened to you? Is that how you value God? Is, the, is that the value of God? You were okay to give KFC 500 Ghana cities and you told the waitress to keep the change of 20 Ghana cities. And you give God that same change of 20 Ghana cities. Huh. For the past five years, you've been giving God five cities. Five years, you're still giving God five cities. Every year, I told God I'm going to increase my offering. And when you start increasing it, God begins to increase your life to be able to meet that standard. You didn't understand what I said. Tell somebody how to behave in God's house. There is something offering does to you. I'm coming there. There is something does to your heart which connects to your spiritual nourishment. You don't know. I'll show you how in the Bible, the Bible says that never appear in God's presence without an offering. I'll show you the scripture very soon. That means poverty is not an excuse to give. Not to give. You not having money is not an excuse. You just don't appear in God's presence without an offering. So you, if you have to borrow money to give an offering, do it. Haven't you borrowed money to buy a phone before? Oh, I'm teaching good. You know, in God's house, we tell believers, lift up your hands and let's worship. And some are looking at us. Lift up your hands. They won't lift. Sing along with us. They won't sing along. Do you know all these attitudes are against God? You are opposing God. If we behave this way, the influence of the church will never be a blessing to you. Because God is the head of the church, not the pastor, not the choristers. So, every benefit we receive in church comes from God. It comes from God. 
There is an attitude we need to develop. If we want to see real experience in Christ. Hallelujah. You need to understand that spiritual authority was something God said in this earth. As long as you're on this earth, spiritual authority is something you can never go by. God set it for a reason. Right from the beginning, God said to Adam, you are free to eat every fruit except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God set it in place to make spiritual authority a reality in Adam's life. So he had freedom, yet he was under authority. Don't touch this one. That's authority. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, man's rebellion was rebellion against God's authority. That's what brought the fall. You will never rise above your obedience to spiritual authority. You need to write this down. You will never rise above your obedience to spiritual authority. It is not possible. God designed spiritual authority to keep men humble. He also designed spiritual authority as a means through which he will promote men. Haven't you realized that you serve in a company for some years? In that service, they promote you, yet you are still in authority. Are you not seeing that? You are still under authority, yet you are promoted. So God designs authority to number one, humble man, and number two, he uses it as a means of promoting men. That is how come you will never rise above your obedience to authority. God set authority in place. There is no organization, there is no institution that does not have authority. Never. Not in any school. Even in the house, there is a spiritual authority. That's the father. In a school, there is a vice chancellor. So, there is no organization and there is no institution without authority. God set it in place that way. That is how God runs the lives of men. We are men who are under authority. Listen, you can never be in authority until you are under authority. You can never be in authority until you are under authority. Very important reality. So God deliberately uses authority to break us. It's deliberate. I had to serve under a man of God. God used that system to break me. Before he put me into an authority to serve as a pastor. And even in this authority, I am still under spiritual fathers who rebuke me. I remember my spiritual father. He, he told me how to dress. There were times they were, I didn't want to wear them. He told, he told me. There was one time I came to church. He said, Isaac, come. I came in front of the church. I climbed the staircase. When I came, he tucked in my dress and pulled up my shorts and closed my, my belt, tightened it, and did me... Uh, what, what's the name? Why you? Pimpinis. Tied it. When I was going, hit it. Go. I was a prophet in the church prophesying to people in the church and I was embarrassed in the church yet I was never, never offended there was one time I preached powerfully to me it was the best sermon I ever preached he called me and said Isaac come sit down Isaac do you know Babokala I said yes daddy you were, you were preaching like Babokala for that one I was offended 
but I still respected authority. And he showed me how I should go about it. And I changed it. That man tormented my life. Hey! I'll be on my way for a program. He'll call me. Isaac, why are you? I can't lie. I said, why didn't you tell me before going? It should be your first and last. Can you imagine? I didn't understand. God was using that to shape me. One time I wore a chain. Bling, bling. Because I, I, I wanted to look. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> he said, what is this? Remove the chain. I said, no, this man wants my downfall. Because I wanted to learn how to put on, you know, four rings. You're blinking and you're holding the microphone with the rings blinking. I'm like, shout hallelujah, boy. It gives you some respect. When you're blinking like that, you look like a shining prophet. Ladies and gentlemen, he destroyed all my plans. And I felt he didn't like me. Imagine I left that authority without God's permission. Listen to me. If you leave a church because you're offended, you will never advance. You must leave a church because God told you to, number two, or the time was out for you to leave. If you leave out of emotion, I am telling you, you will sap your spiritual energy. That's, that's what has destroyed a lot of believers today. They've left churches, God planted them there. And guess what? Today they are not even going to any church at all. Because they came to the conclusion that that's the trap of the enemy. I'm teaching good here. I want to share with you your attitude towards God's house. We're on spiritual dryness. So your attitude towards God's house. So I'm sharing some few attitudes. Number one, the first attitude is your attitude of attendance. Your attitude of attendance. Hebrews chapter 10, the verse 25. He says, Not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more, as ye see the day approaching. So the Bible teaches us that believers are not supposed to forsake one another in worship. You can write this down. Distancing from other believers can be very dangerous. If there is no just cause. One of the strengths of the early church was that they spent time with each other. That was one of the strengths of the early church. Acts chapter 2 the verse 42. He says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in breaking of bread and in fellowship and in prayer. So they continuously fellowship with one another. Praise God. In Ephesians chapter 2, the verse 21 and 22, there's a very amazing reality there. Watch that for yourself. It says, in whom, that is in Christ, all the building fitly framed together 
groweth into an holy temple in the Lord. Look, next verse. He says, in whom also ye are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. What is he saying? Individually, as believers, we are temples of God. Corporately, we are bricks. Are you getting this thing? Individually, we are what? Temples of God. Corporately, we are what? We are bricks. So, when we meet corporately, we are not just, we are not, we are beyond temples now. We are bricks that are put together to, to build a house for God to dwell in. So, when we meet corporately like this, you may be um, a wall, you may be a roof, you may be something else in a building. So, many don't know the seriousness of missing church. When you miss church, your functioning as a building is lost on that day. So if you are the roof and you missed, that day we didn't get roof. Do you know there are some believers when they miss church, you, you will know that something is wrong. Something, something you just can't figure out. Something is wrong. That emptiness, that void that is kept there is a serious matter to God. I'm teaching good here. You know, there are some times when I'm preaching, Prophet Emma will do, mm. do you know what that mm does to me? They don't know. Prophet, they don't know. There are some believers, your smile is what is keeping someone in church. And the day you missed was the day someone who was depressed came and your smile was the only thing. It was not even the message. Your smile was the only thing that would have kept that believer. And God will ask you in heaven. That some of you was just your dimple. That doesn't mean you see the voice in the church like... That's wickedness. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we need, to, we need to be careful about our attitude in attendance. You don't attend church or you belong to a church. In other words, you must be punctual because your presence is very necessary to God. Number two, quickly, our attitude in participation into brackets, worship. Our attitude in participation. So please, as you are listening to this teaching, you, you got to amend when you realize that you need amendment, amendment as the Holy Spirit rebukes you. Now look, we need to observe the attitude in what? Participation. Sunday service is not a performance. It is a what? Worship. It is something we do together. Listen, when Shatawale is, is singing, it's called performance. So it's a one-man show. And they cheer him up. When we come to church and someone is ministering, it is not a performance. It's a ministration. There is a being that is ministering through him. That's the difference between me and Shatawale. Are you following this thing? 
So what I am doing as a minister or what Mr. Sam is doing or what Mr. Gosh is doing or any other Christ is doing is that he's leading us in worship. So when you find a believer, we are saying sing together with us and he's quiet. That believer is disobedient. You must participate in worship. We are worshiping God. So when he says lift up your hands, you don't have to wait for Reverend Lapapa to say it. Because I myself also, I am a vessel. Praise God. So there is participation in what? There is the attitude of what? Participation. Be involved in worship. That's how we, we express our fear of God. You can imagine throughout the week, Monday to Saturday, God preserved you. On Sunday, you are here to give him thanks. You are here to worship him. To worship him. And then we say, sing. You are silent. There are some who will be watching the minister. There are some who listen to the voice of the minister. If the voice is not nice, he will not be part. You are kana. It is not the voice that makes worship worship. It's the heart that makes it worship. It's not the keyboard that makes it worship. It's not the drums that makes it worship. It's not the bass guitar that makes it worship. It's the heart that makes it worship. Please, are you following this thing? So, you must participate. When we say pray, you have to pray. When you don't pray, you are disobeying spiritual authority. And the authority is of God, not of man. So, you are rebelling against God's authority. There is no difference, difference between you and Lucifer. Because he did the same thing and that also brought him down. I'm not saying you are Lucifer. I say you are behaving the same way he behaved. You are rebelling against the authority structure of God. Am I teaching you good? Next. The third attitude is the attitude in giving. The attitude in what? Giving. I pray this message touches your heart. Giving is an attitude we develop in church, in the house of God. It is your duty. Listen, when you are giving in God's house, it is an honor and a privilege. Many don't know that. There are people who calculate how much people are giving. If we call 200 Ghana cities and three people, come. That's 600. The church is becoming richer. We call 1,050 people come. So 1,000 times 50. That's how much? How much? 50,000. Wow. That's how they are believers like that. So they start calculating. So if they've gotten 50,000, what is my money going to do? I won't give them my money. Look at how corrupt you are. You are so corrupt, yet you pay tax. You are so corrupt in understanding. You will never grow. You will never grow as a believer. Listen, if, if, if we should open to you expenses of church, you will empty your bank account for us. Most of the big churches you see, they are easy, their electricity bill alone. Their electricity bill alone is close to 50000 every month. The AC you have been enjoying, do you know how much you are paying for it? This venue you are enjoying, do you know how much you paid? 
we, we've paid almost $8,000 for this place you are enjoying. So people don't know the power in giving. Listen, when you give, you are, see, you are giving to God through the local church so that his kingdom can, can expand. That's how you should think. And it's a privilege. Do you know you don't enter into the bosom of a king without a gift? There are some tribes you can never come before a king without a gift. It's illegal. When you appear before a king, you come with a gift. If you want his attention. And we appear before the king of kings. And we, we are battling on how much we should give to him. What a shame. There are people who give empty envelopes. They are giving envelopes. They cover it as if they put money in it. And they pass it. We see that a lot. Look at how you are deceiving yourself. Before God, in God's presence, you, 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 you fake an envelope and you put it in offering bowl. Since when did you think you were deceiving us? It was better you never gave at all. To, let, to deceive God by telling him that you have money in your pocket and you put an empty envelope in. Look at the insult you've given to this, this God. I'm telling you, there are a lot of problems believers are going through today. If you check into details, they caused it. Listen, I want God to raise a church of power because we are sick and tired of the kind of things we are calling church today. There's no power in it. Christians go to church, they go back home the same. Nothing changes about their lives. We are sick and tired. Tell someone we are sick and tired. We want to see genuine, authentic Christianity. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy, chapter 16, the verse 16 and 17. You get to know that it is wrong for you to appear in the presence of God without an offering. It's wrong. There are churches that, that manipulate people for money. I'm not talking about those churches. In fact, the fact that they are fake currencies means that the, the original currencies are more. So, you don't look at someone who is fake to judge every other man of God or every other ministry. There are ministries who are cheating people, manipulating people with, with all kinds of things. That doesn't mean that you conclude that every church is fake. Are you following this thing? He says, three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord, thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of living bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Haven't you realized, during the time of Jesus, there were people who were giving in their abundance, and there was a poor old lady who had a little and she put all she had inside. You know what Jesus said? She has given more than anybody. So it's not that it's not how much you give. It was the it was how much of the value it was in your heart. It was the how much of the value. What did that giving mean to you? If you have 50,000 you give 5 cities. It is still giving. If you have 5 cities and you give 5 cities, that is real giving. To God. You know, there are some believers probably when you call out money and then probably let's, let's say we are doing a, a project offering or something. And then we start calling from 100, we come to 50, we come to 5 CD. That is what they can give. But because they are shy and embarrassed that 
they couldn't go for hundred and other believers gave hundred. They keep the money in their pocket. You are a proud believer. You will never grow. God must break you in giving that five cities in the presence of everybody. Then God is now bringing you up small, small. That's how God is going to do it. And you, you are not waiting for God to break you. You can't give hundred Ghana, so you have put the five cities in your pocket because you don't want embarrassment. You're already an embarrassed believer. You're already embarrassed. Now, that's the kind of Christianity we have today. People look at others to give. Hey, he gave 50 cities and we are all sitting at par. If he gives 50 and I give 5 cities, it will look like I don't have money. Master, who needs You don't have money. So why are you faking? Christians fake. They just fake. You don't have money. It's a by force. Then you keep God's money because you're embarrassed. You may think you're embarrassed, but actually you are proud. You are a very proud believer. Tell somebody, don't be proud. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Taking offering in church is legal. We are supposed to take offering from you. That's how God blesses you. So if we don't take offering from you, we have committed a sin against you. Look, he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. He says, now concerning the word, the collection for the saints. In the edgy collection, was sorry, what is it? I have given you order. So God gave order on how to do collection. It's not correction, it's collection. Look at the verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, Sunday. So every Sunday, we are to give order for what? Collection. Upon the... When I say collection. <laughs> Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you live by him in store. So you prepare your offering before Sunday. There are believers who give their tithe on Sunday. They say, hey, they said, give me an envelope. They said, are you crying? Let me put something inside. You prepare it in your heart before you come. He says, let everyone of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. So listen, how do you give? Has God, as God has prospered you. So if God has prospered you in the thousands and you are giving peanuts to God, it may be giving, but that giving does not touch the heart of God. Oh yes, God loves all of us. Yeah, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. That was not Old Testament. Every king that comes into power offers one bullock. Solomon came and gave thousand and God appeared to him and said, Solomon, blank check, ask what you want. There is something I'm giving that to God. We don't know. You know, God is a giver. When he sees a giver, he sees himself. That's why givers are livers. Givers don't die. They don't corrupt. So it says on the first day of the week, you should each put aside, look, put aside a portion of the money you have earned. The hard work money. You work for 21 days for that money. When you honor God by giving, you are saying, God, I work 21 days for this. But you are the strength and the source of this money. I am alive to give to you. So it's an attitude. They are believers who are stingy with God. 
they are stingy with God. But, but they are liberal with men. But stingy with God. I am stingy on myself. I was telling one of the guys, they were shocked. More than close to five, six years. I have not bought a, a shoe that is more than 150 Ghana cities. People are shocked. I, I just can't look at it. Going to buy a shoe, 280, 300 Ghana cities. When people are suffering. I, I feel uncomfortable. Because I'm thinking, son, they have to go and bless people with money. I go and buy 300 Ghana cities shoe that I wear once a week. I can't. Maybe the right time will come where I'll get it that level. Right now, I've not gotten to that level. So I'm thinking of people. So that's how stingy I am on myself. Are you following this thing? Money of way. He says, don't wait until I get there and then you try to collect it all at once. Anyway. Am I blessing somebody today? I said, today you are looking, you are expecting some glory. Or it's working. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, the verse 6. Look, he says, But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. This is New Testament. Then he says, He that soweth bountifully shall reap what? Bountifully. Look at that in NLT. Look. You must. Six, six. He says, Remember this a farmer who plants only few seeds will get what? Small crop. This is what is happening to your giving life. But the one who plants what? Generously will get what? A generous crop. Look at the next verse. He says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give what? This is an attitude. Many believers are reluctant givers. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Tell someone I give cheerfully. Give cheerfully. Let's do the final one and we're going to continue next week. Next attitude. Your attitude in obedience and submission to instructions. These are all things that enrich your spiritual life. Like I said, it goes beyond praying and fasting. Your attitude in obedience and submission to instructions. It's a very important attitude to observe. Sometimes I watch church workers and I just laugh. We say, church workers, when we close church, don't go home, we have a meeting. Do you know as a church, we decided deliberately because we know people will be busy and some people may not be able to commit as others. So we said, we have volunteers and then we have doulouses. As a volunteer, we understand that when we close church, you can be able to go and go and do and That's why you chose to be a volunteer. Then we have doulouses who are the church workers proper. And we give the chance for people to write their names for volunteer. There are church workers who wrote their names at doulosis. When we say wait for a meeting, they go home. Keep going home. 
Many don't know that such disrespect to authority is disrespect to God. They don't know. And that if you want to go home, you ask permission. You, what you can't do to your boss, what you can't do in your office, you can't do to God. A believer will go as a church worker, he will go home without telling anybody, without asking permission. He said, I told one of the members. One of the, who, who gave the instructions? You don't understand this thing. If I'm busy, you see Pastor Moses and ask him permission and tell him why you are going. You know, sometimes believers are offended when we call to find out why they couldn't come to church. It's my duty. I can call you. I have the right as a pastor. Just like your boss can call you and say, why didn't you come to church? Many don't know this thing. These are all part of the ways you grow up as a believer. Praise God. If I pray for you every week, I, I, I told you, I pray for every church member by name. By name. I have a certain authority. And God gave that to me. And I said, way you treat spiritual authority. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the verse 12. Look. He says, dear beloved, dear brethren and sisters, Honor those who are your leaders in the lost work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Look at the next verse. He says, show them great respect. Great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And they live peaceably and live peaceably with each other. So, leaders deserve great respect. You know, sometimes as a church, we tell you when we close, we are going to have cell meetings. For just 10 minutes. Some believers are going home. They are not going to do anything at home. And they will take their Bibles and they go home. You are just disrespecting authority. It's a spiritual protocol. You, you are sapping your spiritual life. We don't grow that way. We don't grow that way as believers. What are you in a hurry for? What are you in a hurry for? You go to, you go to work from Monday to Saturday. You are in church once a week. You can't spend time with God. What are you in a hurry for? I tell people, that boss you are serving faithfully. When you get sick, you already has a replacement. Your replacement is waiting for you. They'll visit you for two weeks and they'll replace you. When you are dead, how many times will they wait for you? Oh, I don't like the look of your see, on your face. Let me close because you don't like this teaching. You just, you want lollipop messages. Hallelujah. Quickly, let's, let's move. Your attitude in fellowshipping with other believers. As for this one, next week, we'll do a good justice to it. Your attitude in fellowshipping with other believers. Listen, when we come to church, how we relate with other believers is very important. I'll show you more next week. There are some Christian ladies who dress to kill. You know dress to kill? Dress to kill is dress to kill. Their dressing will kill other believers. They would, they would wear dresses that shows half of their breast. And another believer who is a guy is sitting beside you. Who is a weak believer? One who is recently recovering from last. He's 
recently recovering. The messages of LGCC is helping him to overcome the masturbation. And for one month, he has not done it. And you, as a believer, you pray to God, dress, look at yourself, and you shined it, and you, you pumped it, and you came to church. Tell someone lose the balloon. Tell someone lose the balloon. Hey, why did you wear that dress to work and you brought it to church? So it's okay to dress like that to church. To come and kill uh, young believers. A man of God. Ask the person who sent you. Ask him who sent you. Listen, who will tell you wear this dress or wear that dress. If you follow the Holy Ghost, there are some dresses you know wear as a believer. Oh, you don't like this thing. Do you know what the Bible says? I'll show you next week. If if your action causes another believer to stumble, you are sinned against Christ. So, if it was your breast, maybe the person wouldn't have said to you that, oh, I am tempted. But what went on in his mind? When he went home, he, he, went, to he went to finish what you began. He, he... Softly, so there are some of you. Your dressing has caused certain men to do things in their homes they shouldn't have done. You are sinning against Christ that way. Oh, it's a good message. Why? Killing people softly. Listen, if you prayed in the morning for Sunday service before you came to check, there are some dresses you know where. You appear decently. You appear in a way that you look attractive for people to serve God more. You pump the thing like that. The thing is pumped like that. Then you deliberately open one button. The thing is showing. It's fair. A boom. See. All the oil can cry anointing. And you come and say that. We give you glory. What glory are you giving? Fasa to form a you, you, are, you are a killer. You are a killer. There are, there are some who don't have it though, but they want to force it, so they put form under. They have one high lawyer. We have only one lawyer here. It's Asaba. We have only one lawyer. My wife was the one who taught me. She said, I didn't swing you. Now you say, Killer. Hallelujah. So, how we deal with other believers, how we relate to other believers, it matters. Paul instructed, he says, the men should deal with the women with all purity. We deal with the women with all purity. And there are some guys who don't deal with women with purity. I'm telling you, and it's not right. You deal with the women in the church with purity. I'll continue next week. Please rise up on your feet and let's pray.